Good morning, Maranatha. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable, and it is time for Sunday Morning Alive, a Sunday morning sermon right here on our website. So thank you for joining us today. It may not be Sunday when you're hearing this. It may not be morning. Uh, World Wide Web is is taking the, the gospel all over the world, and we're grateful for you coming day, night, Monday, Tuesday, but this broadcast is being being put forth on Sunday morning, and this is a Sunday morning sermon. Praise God, and I can't wait to get into the Word of God, and more importantly, I can't wait to get the Word of God in me. I love to minister on that that reveals the character and nature and personhood of God, so that He is not just a force uh, in the universe somewhere, not some Star Wars force, but he is the person that he is and the person that Jesus showed us. Hallelujah. When he, when he brought him out through every word that he spoke and every work that he did, he showed us the Father. Hallelujah. So this is all about knowing God today and the, and, and it is the secret of great faith. It's what people knew about God that caused them to trust Him to such a degree that He was able to work a mighty work in their behalf. And it may surprise you to know today that, that when, when Jesus used the term great is thy faith. It wasn't about some mighty, I believe in God, I'm trusting God, I'm standing on the word of God. All of that has a place, but that's not the secret of great faith. First, there's a centurion who came to Jesus who had a servant that he loved like a son, and that servant is dying, and and he told Jesus about that, and Jesus responded this way, I will come and heal him. And feeling so unworthy of of Jesus even coming to his home, he said, you don't have to come to my home. I'm not even worthy. See the humble dependency, the appeal to the mercy of God. Listen, I'm not even worthy that you should come under my roof. But I have men under me. A centurion was over a hundred men, a hundred other soldiers. And and I tell them to go, and they go, and I tell them to come, and they come. Speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. In other words, you are here representing the God of the universe. You are under his authority, and thereby you have authority. Amen. And, and, and Jesus said, go thy way. I have not found faith like this. Know in all of Israel. And his servant was healed. He called this faith that he put forth great faith. And it is so different. Humble dependency is so different from our idea of great faith many times. The other is the Gentile woman whose daughter was vexed with the devil. And she said, Master, my daughter is vexed with the devil. And Jesus initially uh, resisted, uh, not, not because he didn't love and care as she appealed to his mercy, but because she had no covenant to claim. And she wasn't a Jewess, and she wasn't a Jew. She wasn't part of Abraham's seed. And so 
<laughs> he said it's not meat to give the children's bread, that that belongs exclusively to the people of the covenant. It's not meat to give the children of children's bread to dogs. She worshipped him then <laughs> and said, True Lord, but even, listen to the appeal to his mercy, even dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Hallelujah. And Jesus said, Woman, great is thy faith. What a different perspective on what great faith really constitutes and what it is. Humble dependency and an understanding that God is a merciful God. Hallelujah. Remember Bar blind Bartimaeus? who sat by the wayside and he heard this crowd. He heard about Jesus and he heard this crowd and he knew about God from the old covenant and where the love of God is put forward. God God was a God of love then and a God of love now and thereby, therefore and thereby a God of great mercy. And as the crowd got closer, <laughs> he, he hollered, Jesus Son of David, I need healing. Jesus, Son of David, I'm believing you to heal me. No, he said, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Hallelujah. Have mercy on me. You see, obtaining mercy precedes getting the answer. And knowing God is a God of mercy and grace is the target initially of our faith. Let me put it this way. By the way, they shamed him because as they got closer, he got louder and louder and louder. And the disciples shamed him and, 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 and told him to essentially shut up, hush up. And he got all the louder. And Jesus stopped in his tracks and said, bring that man to me of all the people in need all the people pressing upon him and yet this man trusting God for mercy to help him he said bring that man to me you see he wasn't just trying to tap into the power of God as the target for his faith it's a given it should be a given God has all power Ah, but it's who he is. It's his person and his character of mercy and grace because of his love, his great, infinite, divine, agape love. Amen. Hallelujah. Listen, friend of mine, today we need to know something about God because God healed that man. He opened his eyes. See, great faith is different. The secret of great faith is different than just, just this boldness to believe, this boldness to believe. This is, this brings a boldness, but it's born out of a humble dependency and a knowledge of the person of God and not just the power of God. To know Him is to trust Him. And therein is the secret of great faith. Let me put it this way. Faith in God is the result of trusting God. And trusting God is the result of knowing God. 
knowing God is the result of the revelation of His unchanging character as revealed by the Holy Spirit in and through the Word of God. That's why faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Because Hearing the Word, you don't just read the Bible or just read promises and suddenly faith arrives. Promises are a stimulant for faith, a catalyst for faith, a target for faith to be released in. If you know the person that made the promise well enough to trust in Him. I don't like faith being defined as a force. Sounds to me like a lot of Eastern mysticism instead of the practical understanding of the personhood and character of God and being able thereby to trust Him. Trust is the Old Testament word for faith and better defines it than just the word faith in the New Covenant. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding. Praise God. They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed. (laughs) For as the mountains are round about Jerusalem, the Lord is round about his people to deliver them. Praise God. Some trust in horses, some in chariots, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. Hallelujah. Listen, the name of the Lord our God. Jehovah Nissi, Jehovah Shama, Jehovah Sikinu, Jehovah Shalom. Amen. These are all revelations of who He is. Not just power that He has, but the person He is. Amen. You see, believing God, having great bold faith, begins with a humble dependency and a trust that is born out of a knowledge of something about his unchanging character. Praise God. That's why I like this psalm. Psalm 36 and verse 7. They knew something about the love of God and the kindness of God that that love produces called Hasid, loving kindness. It is an Old Testament term that embraces the infinite divine love of God in His character. God is a spirit. We can't see Him, and it would seem that He's too vague to figure out. Oh, but friend of mine, He is a God who wants us to know Him. And part of Jesus' mission, other than our salvation, was to reveal the Father to us, that we might trust in Him, thereby having great faith in Him. Hallelujah. Listen to Psalm 36 and verse 7. How excellent is Thy loving kindness, O God. Therefore, see this is cause and effect, therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. This trust was based on an understanding of God's great love and kindness toward us. I really like the Amplified. It says, how precious is your steadfast love. And one paraphrase reads as it continues, how eager 
we are to run under your wings. You see, nothing stimulates us to trust the Lord more than a revelation and a realization of His great love for you and for me. Praise God. God wants us to know Him and through that knowledge to come to a trust relationship in Him. Amen. Listen to what it says here in Paul's prayer for the church in the book of Ephesians. I'm going to turn to that real quickly. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 15 is a prayer for this revelation knowledge of God. Hallelujah. Listen. Verse 15 says, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe according to the working of His mighty power, which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His own right hand in heavenly places. Listen. All of this understanding and knowledge and revelation of who we are in Christ, who Christ is in us, what He has done for us and what He has granted to us is based on verse 17. Hallelujah! That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Praise God. How we need the Holy Spirit to guide us into truth and into the person who said, I am the truth. And the person who said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And the person who said, the words that I speak are not mine, but what I hear my Father say, and the works that I do are not mine, but what I see my Father do, for I and my Father are one. Praise God. Amen. It's what we know about God and His character and person, not just His power, that causes us and stimulates us to eagerly come to Him Look to Him and trust in Him. Praise God. It's God's great love that produces this mercy. Hallelujah. That people embraced. The centurion knew if I can, if I can, if I can, if I can appeal to the mercy of God, this man has the authority to heal my servant. <laughs> and he began by humble dependency and an understanding of the authority that Christ had, but not just that, but the love of God that was being manifest through Jesus Christ. Same way with the Gentile woman that said even the dogs Eat the crumbs that fall. Humble dependency is what Jesus called great faith. 
And I got that. How about you? When, when I'm sick and when I'm in need, I, I, <laughs> I, I get real soft before the Lord. How about you today? I mean, I do come boldly, but because I know if I come in humble dependency appealing to His mercy, I'm going to receive grace to help. You know, the Bible said we should come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain initially mercy and grace to help in the time of any need. Hallelujah. When we know God's love and the tenderness of his heart toward us, we know that we are going to obtain mercy when we come in humble dependence, confessing any sin, but coming in humble dependency that we're going to receive mercy and grace to help in the time of any need. Because of God's great love, you see, the God of the Bible has a tender heart. The God of the Bible has a tender heart. It's easily touched. God does not sit aloof up in His heaven with little or no concern for His creation. He came down to feel our human condition to experience our troubles and trials and temptations to become our Savior and our friend. Look at Hebrews four fourteen through 16 with me this morning. Seeing then, something God wants us to know, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Or confession, that's the Greek word here. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. We should not have halting hearts, but rather eager hearts, trusting that His love for us will not falter. Praise God. I want to read this from the Amplified. It said, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to understand and sympathize and have a shared feeling with our weaknesses and infirmities and liability to the assaults of temptation but one who has been tempted in every respect as we are, yet without sinning. Let us then fearlessly and confidently and boldly draw near to the throne of grace, the throne of God's unmerited favor to us, that we may receive mercy for our failures and find grace to help in good time for every need, appropriate help and well-timed coming just when we need it. This bold faith, this consoling confidence is ours because we believe that our needs have touched His heart. Hallelujah. Remember the story Jesus told. He said, Are not two sparrows sold in the marketplace for a farthing? I'll use the, the coinage of a penny, the, the, the smallest coin possible for the smallest, most insignificant little bird for sale in the marketplace, and that is a sparrow. 
And he said, yet not one of them falls. You see, he'll live out his life. He will fall from the sky and he will die. And not one of them falls without your father, without it touching your father. It's not just he's keeping count of all this like some impersonal computer. No, it touches his heart. And my heart was touched when I was in the backyard and, and I saw a young blue jay, very young blue jay, fleeing from about three mockingbirds chasing him, full grown mockingbirds. I don't know the problem between mockingbirds and blue jays. I just know there was a problem and he was flying and evidently looked back to see if they were gaining and there's a huge oak tree in our backyard and he, I, I saw him, I heard the squawking and I saw him hit the limb and fall right at my feet and when he hit the ground I scooped him up I so wanted to help him I was hoping uh, that that I could I could help him recover and and feed him and until he was strong and then release him it touched me when I held him and saw him taking those last gasp before his heart stopped and it touched my heart. You, you say, Pastor, that's just a little old burden. It's just, you know, these things happen. I know that. But it touched my heart. And just to think that it touched God's heart too. Jesus said, not one sparrow falls without it touching God's heart. And you're worth more than many sparrows. See, God is touched with our need. And when we appeal to Him for mercy, that mercy is all ready to flow to us. And if we come before the throne of grace, humbly dependent on Him and trusting in Him because we know this about Him, (laughs) we are going to obtain mercy and grace to help in the time of any need. Praise God. Let us draw near, the scripture says, with a, with a heart full of, of faith and a heart full of trust. Let us draw near to Him because He's wanting to draw near to us. God wants you and I to know Him today. Amen. They that know their God. That's why Paul prayed that God would grant unto the Christians of his day the spirit of revelation and wisdom in the knowledge of him. There's a scripture that I've quoted to pastors that we've met with many times about feeding the flock of God. What is that food that is so vitally necessary for their growth and their faith to grow? in him to great faith in jeremiah 3 and verse 15 it says and i will give you pastors literally shepherds there after my own heart and they will feed you with knowledge and understanding what happens when we begin to know and understand our heavenly father through Jesus Christ and through the Word of God and through the Holy Spirit revealing Him, we're going to have great faith and trust in Him. Praise God. And we're going to eagerly run to Him as our source and know that we will find shelter under His wings. How excellent 
is thy Hasid, thy loving kindness, O God. Therefore the sons of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. It's all about loving kindness. It's all about the the great love wherewith he hath loved us and the mercy that flows because of that great love. God is a merciful God today, and he offers that mercy to you and to me. And I want to feed the flock of God, knowledge and understanding of God, not just general knowledge of of scriptures and promises and principles. That's all important. But in particular, the knowledge of God. It's said uh, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, if any man boast, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, nor the mighty man his strength, nor the rich man his riches, but he that boasts, he that glorieth, let him glory in this, that he knows and understands. See, there's knowledge and understanding of him. That he knows and understands me, saith God. Quoting that Old Testament scripture about the Lord. That that says essentially what is being said here. Verbatim. That I'm a God who delights in mercy and in judgment and in righteousness. But in particular in mercy. Hallelujah. For in this thing I delight saith the Lord. God wants you to know that He delights to forgive sinners. He delights in forgiving our sin when we humbly admit and confess and repent of it. He delights to do that. Hallelujah. He's a God of mercy and a God of grace. And when we cry unto Him, His heart is touched with the feeling of our hurt, our need, Whatever our circumstance today, God wants you to know Him. That's why Jesus used these, this term of a mother's love of a, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. How many, thou that stone the prophets and kill them that are sent to you. What, he's offering mercy to them. They don't deserve mercy. They, they're, they're killing. God called ministers sent to them to call them to repentance and to point them to Christ. And he said, but he's weeping over them. Judgment is going to come. Their enemies are going to prevail. Rome is going to invade and kill them by the scores. Oh, but friend, look what is offered them. In spite of their sin, in spite of their self, because of the mercy of God, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how many times would I have taken you under my wing as a mother hen does her chicks? Look at the tenderness. Look at the mercy. Oh, I saw this one time. My, my, my cousin's grandmother kept chickens for eggs and, and chicken and dumplings. <laughs> Amen. And, and I, we, here in Florida with the thunderclap that came out of nowhere, like a three shotguns going off at the same time. And, and those little biddies run into that mother hen. And when they run into the mother hen, she's got her wings open and they cuddle next to her and she closes her wings around them. They were trusting in the covert of her wings. How excellent 
is thy loving kindness, thy hasid. It's what they knew about his heart, his tenderness, his mercy. They eagerly run to him in the time of any need, in the time of anything that, that threatens them, in the, anything that makes them fearful. They run to him and they trust in him. And that is the secret of great faith. That humble dependence on him and that knowledge about him that provoked them to trust in him. This bold faith, this consoling confidence is ours today because we believe that our needs have touched his tender heart. Hallelujah. Friend of mine, I'm so glad I serve this God today. I want to tell you in closing, if we go a little over half an hour, I believe it'll be worth it. Stay with us just a little while longer. My pastor, when I was very, very young, had got a wrong concept of God early on in his life. He failed. He had a moral failure. And he felt like not only did God not love him anymore, God didn't like him anymore, and God wouldn't have anything else to do with him, even if he repented, even if he confessed his sin. He didn't understand mercy and grace. He didn't understand this unfaltering love that would not be shaken. He did not understand the character and person of God. What had imprinted on him, he said, when I was a very young child, very young child, I opened the family Bible to the first page. I couldn't read it and understand Genesis, but I saw a picture, a painting of an angry mad, wrathful, vengeful God driving almost out of hate and loathing Adam and Eve out of the garden. You see, he didn't understand that God slayed an animal to cover the man and the woman, that the shame of their nakedness would not appear. The first shedding of blood to produce a covering for sin was right there in the Genesis, the love of God was still intact, even though the justice of God caused them to have to be punished. Listen, friend of mine, he missed it, and he missed an understanding of the character of God, and he forfeited the mercy that was available to him until he came to an understanding of God's love for him and God's mercy available to him. And when he discovered it, it melted his heart and he repented of his sin and received the forgiveness and restoration that God granted him. But he had to get a change in his understanding and perception of God. His knowledge of God was skewed. It was wrong. It was a God with no mercy and no grace to offer instead of the God of grace and the God of mercy who offers that grace and mercy to people just like you and just like me today. Oh, dear friend of mine, if you're a Christian today and you haven't discovered 
the tender heart of God. You haven't known and believed the love that God has for you. Then that love can't cast out fear, not just the fear of all the fearful things in this fallen world, world but the fear that, that God will reject us. God will have nothing more to do with us because we failed in some area. Listen, the Bible said, He that cometh to me with a humble, contrite spirit, he will in no wise turn away. Why? Because it's appealing to the mercy that is always flowing from this great love wherewith he loved us today. Mercy and grace to help is available So don't run from Him today. Run to Him. Come to Him. Come boldly with confidence in humble dependency on that mercy to provide that grace to help. And God will respond to you. Amen. Trust in His mercy. Trust in His grace. Trust in His goodness. If you've committed a sin... Confess it while repenting of it, and He will abundantly pardon you and restore your soul. Hallelujah. Today, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can't trust Him, you can't look to Him, you can't run to Him in the day of trouble. So come to Him now. Repent of your sin. Receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And then when the trouble comes, eagerly put your trust under the shadow of His wings. For He's going to lift His wings of love and enclose you in His mercy. In Jesus' name.